Turn with me, if you will, to your reading sheet. You'll find it in your bulletin. Our guiding text for the morning is at the top, 1 Samuel 3, 9 through 12. Let's stand and we'll read it together. This then is the text for today. And Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. May God bless the reading of his word. Spinning is a moment of exhilaration for a child. The first time that you learn that you can extend your arms out and spin in a circle and find yourself in this dizzy haze, it is fun, right? The, the world around you becomes a blur, and, and it's just fun to stumble around the house and stumble into your brother and try not to fall down again. Ch- children love this sensation. We spin around baseball bats. We spin around merry-go-rounds. And it's all in good fun. In fact, when, when I was growing up, one of our favorite pastimes at my grandmother's house was to go and get on a merry-go-round. There was, there was a playground behind her home, and all of the kids in the family, all the cousins would go get on the merry-go-round, and we would spin as long as we could. And there, there was no adult strong enough to spin us as fast as we wanted to be spun. So we would go, and we would go, and then eventually... We would all step off, and we would hit the dirt. Right? That's what you want to happen. You, you want to step off and eat dirt. <laughs> now, I, I think I'm getting old, though, because this week it, it happened again. My oldest daughter, Avery, she has this big swing in the yard, and she loves. She asked me to come sit on the swing. So I said, okay, come swing the swing. And she has this, this new trick she calls the tornado. And so I sat on the swing, and she just started spinning around until all the ropes got tight as they could possibly get, and then she just spun it the other way as fast as she could go, and we just started spinning. It was a perfect ride for her, (laughs) but it, it was a struggle for me. I could feel it in my head. I could feel it in my ears. I could feel it in my stomach, and I think I feel that I'm getting old you got to really watch out for these sorts of things. See, dizziness is this, this moment of brief, brief pleasure followed by sheer terror. Eventually, you want it to stop, but it just keeps going, and it keeps going and going, and you try to grab a hold of anything that you can that's stable, but all that you're left holding is the floor. And the older you get, the worse the floor looks. Now, this is where we, we find ourselves, starting in 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you, if you look down in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it begins in terror. There is this moment of imbalance, like being spun faster and faster on a merry-go-round that won't end. 1 Samuel 3, 1 says that in that day, 
the voice of God was gone. It was rare. Visions were infrequent. In fact, the, the words of God were so rare then that most of the world didn't even know that God could speak. We know this. There are seasons in our life where it feels like we are praying earnestly. And every prayer we lift up to our God hits that ceiling and comes right back down on top of our head. The roof becomes this impenetrable barrier between yourself and God. And when that happens, life, life starts to spin. You know, without that connection to God, we lose all balance. There's no way to maintain any sense of good or any stability in our lives if we don't have God's voice speaking into them. You know, and it's one thing for us to naively choose to step away from our God, to shut God out of our lives. You know, we're the ones that choose that sometimes, and we're choosing this hectic unbalance in our day. But you know, it's a whole other thing for God to choose this, for God no longer to speak to us. And in our scripture for the day, God is no longer speaking to these individuals, and God is no longer speaking to the nation as a whole. And the country is spiraling out of control. It's getting faster and faster. When we don't have God's voice speaking into our lives, we inevitably spiral out of control. You, know, you, you hang on, and you hold it together for a little while, but this world does not stop spinning. Eventually, you will eat the dirt. And the only way to slow this life down and regain any stability is by the very word of God. Now, with that being said, why did God remove his voice from his people? Why in the world would God let Israel spiral out of control? That's the first one that comes to mind, but that's, that's the wrong question. God didn't want Israel to spiral out of control. God wanted them to flourish. Right? There's, there's, there's a reason it got to this point. The reason God no longer spoke to them was because of three sinful men. There's three men in this text that, that got us right here where we are. The choices of their lives built up a wall of sin, effectively dampening the voice of God. And it dampened the voice of God so well they could no longer receive it. God removed his voice because they chose sin over our God. You know, if you read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, you begin to understand why. There, there are two priests in there, and these two priests are terrible men. They're brothers, Hophni and Phinehas. And, and they had led in worship, and worship had become a farce. E even the national worship had just become this, this scene of iniquity. Where, where these two brothers, they, they, weren't, they weren't doing what they are supposed to be doing. The people would, would come in, and they would bring their offerings to lay at the altar of God. They, they would bring a sheep in, and they would begin to prepare the sheep so that they could have worship and sacrifice together that day. And these men, they would come in, and they would take what they wanted. 
They would take the best meats that are being prepared, and they'd take them for themselves. And they're saying, we're taking this, and we're going to eat this. And what this meant was the people of God were left with incomplete sacrifices. Worship was a sham. And not only that, it, it says if you read further in the text, they, they were having sexual relationships with women in the church and around the church. And, and all of this is what was taking up space in the time of worship. These were the priests, the leaders, and they did not care one bit about God. So God started to remove his voice. They couldn't hear it anymore. And the last straw must have been Eli's rebuke. So Eli was their father. So we have these two priests. Their father was a priest, Eli. He's over them. And Eli was was a well-intentioned priest whose good intentions destroyed his family. He knew his sons were scoundrels. And so his course of action, he decided he would go and give his boys a good, stern talking to. That's what he does. In chapter 2, he says he goes and and he questions them. He gives them the talking to. And these are grown men. This should have been enough for these grown men. And and Eli thought this should be enough for God. I, I told them what they need to hear. But it wasn't enough. His sons kept sinning, and, and the whole world started to wobble. It started to spiral out of control. You know, you, you could read this story, and in reading this story, think that Eli was decent enough. I mean, he, he tried to tell his boys what was going on, he tried to tell them the truth. And he did a pretty good job raising Samuel. And so maybe, maybe this guy wasn't a complete failure. You know, you, could, you can always look around and find a dad who's doing a worse job than you're doing. But the bottom of the barrel is not our barometer. You know, so some of us, we, we look at our parenting and we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as that. But you're not compared to them. You are held to the holy standards of our God. And for Eli, those holy standards of our God were far greater than giving his boys a good stern talking to. He was the priest. His boys were priests. And they had a legal responsibility. In fact, their legal responsibility said, Eli should have moved to the next phase of their punishment. And the next phase of their punishment as priests of God should have been stoning to death. They should have received the death penalty for what they had been doing. Now, now, there there may have been a case in the law where instead of receiving the death penalty, they, they could have been banished and sent out of the community. That was their legal requirement, and Eli decided not to do that. He decided he'd talk to his boys. He'd give them a good talking to, and everything would be okay. Didn't matter what the law said. Didn't matter what the standards were. Eli knew. He knew how his boys were behaving. And he just sort of gave up. And that sin, and the sin that was allowed to remain, broke the relationship with God. Cut it off completely between these men and God and between their country and God. See, this is what sin does. Sin sin separates you from God. When, when you have sin festering in your life, you can no longer hear his voice. You can no longer see what God wants you to see. 
Sin blocks the communication with God in such a way that it is blurry as ever. And here's the awful thing. Now, it's awful enough that, that sin separates you from God. But it gets even worse than that. Because your, your sin begins to sort of uh, branch out from you. And it starts to affect the people around you. And, and your sin starts to, to affect your family. And it starts to affect your church. And your sin starts to affect your nation. And it sort of takes over everything. The sin in your life starts the spin. Starts the spin of all of it. Satan is pushing. And he pushes you. And you start to spin around and around and around. And, and the sin causes you to lose your center so that you don't know up from down. And, and, and the more you sin and the more you give into it, the worse it gets, the worse life gets. It's, it's like a constant contagious vertigo where you stumble through life unable to hit any moving target of truth. You become so dizzy that you don't know what reality is anymore. You, you can't even trust yourself. You can't trust your own intuition. You can't trust your own eyes. See, what you're seeing becomes an, an overlapping mashup of moving memories. Life doesn't make sense when it's swirling. And by the sin in your life, Satan keeps pushing. And around we go, faster and faster. You can't, you can't trust what you're perceiving. You, you can't even trust your own judgment until the spinning stops and the dizziness subsides. See, for Eli and Hophni and Phineas, it, it never stops. They, they spiral out of control all, all the way down to death. We see them as you move into chapter 4, the next chapter, 30,000 soldiers die because of these men. 30,000 soldiers die in battle, and then as it's coming to a conclusion, the two of them die in battle, and then as it's coming to a conclusion again, they lose the Ark of the Covenant of God, the very presence of God. They lose it. And when Eli hears about it, he falls over and dies himself. It was gone. It's over. Losing the ark is as, low, is as low as it gets for Israel. It was as if God was completely gone. But he wasn't. God stirred in the night. See, along the way, Samuel found an accidental cure for dizziness. Now, for one, he, he was separated from, from the sin. It, it, he had these faithful prayers of his mother. You know, he was set aside, and, and he was set aside wholly under the Lord, unaffected by the, the sins of Eli's sons. And, and then we, we find him in a special place in the Scripture in chapter 3. Before the ark was taken in battle by the Philistines, it says that's where Samuel was, down sleeping near the ark. And the, the ark for, for Israel, this, this was the very presence of God. This was, this was the visible representation of all that God is and was and will be. This is the presence of God. And Samuel, sort of by default, was sleeping near him. This was as close as someone could possibly be to our God. See, Samuel didn't know much, but he was doing the best that he knew how to do. And this is the first clue to, to slowing that spin down. 
The first clue to finding stability in this life is to draw in as close to God, as close as you know how to do it. You, you may not know how to get there. You, you may be pretty ignorant on the fact. It says in our text in 1 Samuel 3 today, Samuel had no clue what he was doing. He didn't know God, but he was drawing in close as best as he knew how. And then at various points, Samuel is drawn out of his bed by a voice. It's a confusing voice in a confusing time. And Eli didn't know what was going on either. But but once they realized that this is God, Eli gives Samuel the best life advice that he ever gave him. He said, whenever you hear God speak, you hear the voice of God coming down from heaven, you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. See, that's the, the sentiment here is that no matter what's going on around you, No matter how hectic things are getting around you in life, you focus in on the voice of God above everything else. Above all other voices of everyone else calling your name, zero in on God, and that's where you put all of your focus. He was resolved to tune out everything else. Even even shutting this out, the fear out of his own mind, he just sort of set that aside, and he stayed focused on the voice of God. See, Samuel didn't know he was curing dizziness, but that's exactly what his actions were doing. He was leaning into the presence of God and focusing on God's voice. And when we do that, when we lean into God and focus on his voice alone, that cures all kinds of ills in our life. And in that moment, that's when life started to slow down and make sense for Samuel. The blurred vision was coming together into a reality that he had never known. And this is how you know that we serve a good and loving God. Because when all the other men refused to serve him, when everybody else was stepping aside and the church itself was being destroyed, God raised up a new man. God's voice came yet again. See, though Israel was not ready And they were never in a place at this point to hear the voice of God. God still spoke. God found the one who would hear. God found those whose ears were open, and he spoke down from heaven into their lives. That's how we know we serve a good God. He didn't give up on his people. God was never going to remain silent. God speaks, and God raises up from the dead. He, he, he raises up his church from the dead, his people from the dead. When we need new life again, God speaks down and reinvigorates us and brings us into the fullness of his purpose and his ways. That is what God does and who God is. See, with, with, with a gentle voice, God pulled Samuel into himself. And he, he caused him to be stilled. He stopped the spinning. You see, and we know as, as sweeping as the judgment of God is and as discombobulated as our lives get, God's grace is greater. See, God is ready to do something in you and in this church. Now, now those other guys, they were done. Hophni and Phinehas tells us in, in, in chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, Scripture sort of writes them off. It was too late for them. But it's not too late for you. You're, you're, you're neither Hophni nor Phineas. You still have a chance to hear the voice of God speaking into your life this morning. 
See, for all the sin that's accumulated in your life that, that keeps it just spinning out of control faster and faster, God has provided a way out. You have a way out this morning through Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior's work on the cross was there to make you right and to make you still. You don't even need an accidental cure for dizziness because God has given you Jesus Christ. And when we repent, life starts to make sense. See, instead of, instead of walking sideways until you hit the floor, when you repent, you begin to, to regain your footing and walk forward again. The only way forward in this life is by the life and blood of Jesus Christ. See, in any step that you take in this life without Jesus Christ is sideways and damaging. It's sideways and damaging for you, for your family, for your church, for your country. It just begins to take us all down. That's why God calls us back to repentance. Because you, you can't handle your sin like you think you can handle it. And it is absolutely impossible. It's absolutely impossible to live this life without your equilibrium. Jesus Christ. He's the only way forward. So that's where we're going. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Cause us to be still, to hear your whisper, to hear you call our name once again. Call us out of where we were into where we need to be. And Lord, as you call our name, we will faithfully say, here am I. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.